Uncensored Cinephiles fans, the movie review you've all been waiting for, Eyes Wide Shut, with me and Bianca Garner as we break down Stanley Kubrick's Swan Song. So, Bianca, what did you think of Eyes Wide Shut? What a question to start this review. Like, that's just like an impossible question to answer. I mean, I thought a lot of things, you know. Um, it's certainly um interesting complex film upon like what this is must be like i've seen it at least half a dozen times now so 
when I first watched a movie, I was just left going, uh, feeling a bit cold, you know, like not really getting what all the fuss was about, not really uh, like appreciating the movie for what it was trying to say and what it was trying to show. I just thought it was a bit of a silly movie. <laughs> um, and I did watch it like, you know, well, what, like 18 or something, you know, when I was first getting into like studying film. Um, so I, I just wasn't really, I couldn't really reflect on it as much because obviously it's still a young adult. So it wasn't really like, I feel like this is a movie that you can watch in different periods of your life and have a different reaction to it. So yeah, for sure. I had the same thing because when I yeah. saw it as a young man, like a younger boy, it was how, all just how young? about, oh, I don't remember exactly, but younger. Well, yeah. Did you watch it when you weren't meant to watch it? No, I, I watched it like <laughs> probably at like 19 or something, but okay, I remember yeah. watching it being like, uh, I'm watching it just to see Nicole Kidman. And, <laughs> like you know. every boy does. Yeah, like, but I yeah. think Kubrick, did, I think that was a part of it because like the film starts out with the eye opening sequence. Mm. And like yeah. your eyes open, you see a naked Nicole Kidman, and then they shut again. And then like, it's just bringing you into this like mm. uh, voyeur, like you're the voyeur of the whole yeah. thing that's taking yeah. place. So you're kind of like along for the ride with Tom Cruise's character, Bill, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's certainly a movie that you get a different reading you notice something new every single time that you watch a movie like I watched that this time and I spotted something I've never seen before and I was like I remember like sending you a video I was really excited about it I was like hey I've just spotted this this isn't is this so I wanted to get yeah. into that because it ties in <laughs> it actually ties into a lot of other stuff I saw in the movie okay um and ties into research that I did back in the day um, with some of mm. my more famous documentaries so mm. okay um so yeah. describe the lights that you saw or maybe we should get into other stuff first and get into that a little bit later yeah maybe we should what would be the best way to sort of approach this do you want to sort of talk about the movie um because obviously the big thing is that it's showing the secret society you mm -hmm. know yes. it's it's showing the sort of the people who are behind the scenes pulling the strings and yes. that's like there's no it's not like um the silliness of um the ninth gate no. you know which is that's all a that's like pantomime like theater this is obviously a bit more it's taken a lot more seriously you know, yeah. there isn't that sort of like comedy aspect to it. And it again, it's still a theater, it's still a show, but it's done in a way which is far more sinister. And that's mm -hmm. like uh, interesting that both of these directors took different approaches to showing these secret societies. And, you know, that's not that's not a like a conspiracy or anything there are secret societies that are have existed throughout you know human civilization and to some extent still exist today i do, you know you can be on 
your side of the fence and my side, which is just a sort of like, um, you know, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to sort of say it. I don't know how to put yeah. it. It's like, I just think it's, um, it's all just, you know, a bit of silliness. So I don't know how much of it to believe. Whereas you yeah. obviously have a very, very strong point of view. Um, in this movie, though, it is interesting that Stanley Kubrick, the whole thing around Stanley Kubrick's work is this hidden symbolism. They are these hidden messages. It's this, you know, um, it's just, it's not just this one film, it's in multiple films. Yes. And it's like, it's almost like the, all his prior films have been leading up to this point. Mm -hmm. You know, do you get that sense? Yeah. I, and I think that, um, so like if you compare the elite in this movie mm. to like the elite in the path of the ninth gate. Now, mm. both, both these movies came out in the year 1999 which if you flip upside down, which is something the occult do all the time, it's been done since Leonardo da Vinci used to write backwards. It's 1666, right? Or 6661. I, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm just gonna, so, I'm not buying that. I'm yeah, not buying that. Fine. That was the intention of releasing these movies in 1999. So okay. the difference for me between Eyes Wide Shut and Ninth Gate is in the Ninth Gate, you're following Johnny Depp, who's mm. on a spiritual path right. where he's on the path to Luciferian's left-hand path, which is the spiritual Luciferian way out of the system. It's for the people in the occult, the elite that actually believe in Lucifer. Like they believe in that version of their yeah, belief system. Which, this movie hmm. isn't that. This no. movie, and it ends with this ominous feeling of dread. And there's dread throughout the entire movie hmm. because Tom Cruise's character and the elite in this are not on the spiritual path. They're on the path to power in this world. And their network is more about just gaining power and having like sex for sex sake than it's all having about lust and greed yeah it's more about power lust and greed and the intelligence network that exists around this cult it also exposes the means and methods of the cult really badly not only do they expose like the child trafficking aspects in this movie they also expose the art dealer network in this movie oh yes um this is interesting i really want when you mentioned this earlier i really wanted to sort of like you to um you know delve a bit deeper in this so where did you get this from yeah so when we looked into what was known as pie fence and people can see my documentaries on that what we found is a lot of these people in the occult people like marina abramovich which people probably don't know who that is she's the one who did all the spirit cooking and she would do these uh, we call it art performances, but they are very, very creepy art performances where they do things like write on the wall in blood and make like very strange uh, art performances. 
Um, Marina Abramovich is like one of the inner core members of this group. And if you look at all the people around it, like the Sacklers were the people who brought all the opiate drugs into the US. They run a series of uh, art museums and things. And there's also James Alephantis who owns Transformer DC, which is an art museum that was uh, paid for by the Gwendolyn Caffritz Foundation. And the Gwendolyn Caffritz Foundation is what funded Nexium, which is NXIVM. And that was like yeah. a big Hollywood uh, mm -hmm. cult, very similar to what's depicted in Eyes Wide Shut. So a lot of people, mm. when they draw like the connection points between Eyes Wide Shut and the current elite in our world, they go to Epstein's Island. But Epstein's Island wasn't, I mean, it was similar to what was going on there, but more Nexium which was operating yeah. out of New York state, by the way, and had ties in with the same elite, like Hillary Clinton was friends with these people. Oh, then, okay. Oh, right. hey, really in, really in. Okay. Remember yeah. this. Remember, we don't want to <laughs> rock the boat too yeah. much. YouTube so, wasn't, YouTube did some, <laughs> did yeah. remove our channel for a little bit. So and, uh, we're a movie the... review channel. Yeah. So getting back to the movie <laughs> itself, she, the, the wife is into art, right? Right. Yeah. Alice. And Alice is into art. And at the very beginning of the movie, she is talking to like, so in my estimation, the entire movie, like the ninth gate is mm. the path that you're following along. So like in the ninth gate, you're right. following Depp on the spiritual path. In this movie, you're following Tom Cruise on this sort of voyeur-like thing of how people are inducted into the, the cult, right? Yeah. So they're like, bring, in my estimation, watching the movie, Tom Cruise is being guided into the cult and his wife, Alice, is already in it. Like, Nicole Kidman's been in it for a long time. That's why at the beginning of the movie, when she's like, oh, why do you think, do you know anyone here? And he's like, no. She's like, well, why do you think they keep inviting us back here every year, right? Mm -hmm. And then she's talking to the, the guy who a lot of people think is Anton LaVey. Yes. Okay, yeah. I forget his name in the movie, but he's very similar. And Anton LaVey represents um, the non-theistic Satanists. So he's one of the Satanists and his Satanist like group were the ones that don't actually believe in spirituality. They believe that like, it's just like, they're just like atheist. You see what I'm saying? Right. Okay. They're not like deistic Satanists. That's not the path that they're on. So this entire movie, you're seeing it from the perspective of like the greedy, lustful, power hungry elite, right? Not like but they're showing you how like the Eastern magic from Aleister Crowley and like tantric sex practices were like brought into their like cult and then misused and turned into big sex parties, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can sort of see that. Um, it's kind of like, you know, uh, maybe it's in a way Kubrick's comment on how like we still have the foundations of religion but we strayed so far away from it that now it's all just about theater and it's become corrupt mm -hmm. so yeah that's an interesting reading of it 
Yeah, so yeah. It, the salad, the guy at the beginning, the German guy, he's not German. He says he's Hungarian, hmm. right? And like, that's the area, like the Bavaria Illuminati, right? That's where the Bavarian Illuminati is a real thing that did actually exist, not a conspiracy. They don't exist anymore, obviously, but that's where they came from. And I thought that was another interesting little nod, another really interesting nod to this elite and how they've been around for like a really long time. And I heard other people mention this is when they go into um, like the big bad, as one person called it, where they're all doing the naughty stuff and disrobing, yeah. they have uh, the symbol of the phoenix uh, in there, which, oh. is a, which is from Rome. And that's mm. the symbol of Rome. And that comes from Babylon. It's the symbol of Phoenix. And the Phoenix symbol was one of the original symbols for Lucifer. Represents like, you know, going too close to the sun and falling back down type symbology. So that was another, and that comes from Rome. That's like a huge Roman symbol that you can see incorporated mm. in lots of stuff today. Yeah, I guess there is like a lot of the whole corruption of rome and the fall of rome is kind of represented in that that film um yeah i can sort of see that uh, so there definitely is uh, you know there's no hiding away from it there's definitely something that kubrick was trying to say with this movie about the elite and the corruption and um how uh people get sucked into these cultish groups whether they are practicing something sinister or whether they're just in it to you know go after their own primal desires and everything mm-hmm. um it's interesting um that kubrick died very mysteriously i don't know whether there's like a mystery there i mean he was quite old you know this film took 400 days to film it has the guinness world um guinness book of world record like for the the longest continuous production um like tom cruise and nicole kidman like moved here to the uk to like lived here for a good few years just for this one picture um i guess like Kubrick was such a perfectionist like everything had to be you know perfect um so uh, you know he was ill maybe and the stress of the the film you know editing it so I mean what do you think do you think there was something a little bit more to do with Kubrick's death because I mean you can go to the IMDB page and the, the top trivia is that he died just four days after presenting to Warner Brothers. Um, mm. And the, apparently the friends and family as well as cast and crew all claimed Kubrick's death was completely unexpected and he never seemed to be in poor health whilst making a film. So what's up with that? Is there something? Uh, my person i haven't looked into it enough to like say for sure but like the timing of it seems very suspicious to me there's also talk of 25 minutes of the film that was edited out by warner brothers not by kubrick himself 
because he, mm. he died before being able to make the final cut. And with how much time, like, so like I listened to a couple of reviews of this and people were saying like Kubrick wanted to make this film for like 30, 40 years. Yeah. And then he put so much time. Yeah. He put so much detail into it. And there's so much in this film in terms of occult symbolism, like another reference to Rome that's constant throughout the movie is Saturnalia. Saturnalia is what is now known as Christmas. So this yeah. was a time is, period in that's Rome. That's interesting because the film is set in at Christmas. Yeah, and do you know what Saturnalia was in Rome? Um, that, no. <laughs> okay, so it was basically the movie The Purge. So for right. 24 hours on December 25th every year, you were allowed to do any crimes you wanted in Rome. It was a complete lifting of crime. So you could do anything you wanted. And like the, like, you know, people do caroling, they go around caroling. Yeah, back that's then, a happy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Back then what it was, was the tradition came from men going around in groups singing while they raped women on the streets in groups. That's okay, where that's... that comes from. So this is like, all in like okay. he, he was reading up on this type of stuff there was like references to these occult books in the stanley kubrick archives yeah and yeah. things i think this movie is such a damning expose of the elite that they i think they probably did remove stuff that was important from the final edit and that mm. i i don't know if they killed him or not but it would make sense well i definitely think there's some there's some footage that would help them explain the movie in some ways because I think people I think that's what so alienates people from the film is like the whole is it a dream sort of thing and you know there isn't like a clear big reveal about who is who and you know there's no nothing really is accomplished in this movie like you know it's just Tom Cruise wandering around you know, <laughs> going, taking taxis, going to part, to going to a party, and he never gets any sees any action. So you know, no. like nothing is accomplished in this movie. Um, so Tom Cruise never gets any. His wife does, though. Well, does she? See, I wanted to bring that up too because, <clears throat> so most people think the the naval officer thing is just a dream sequence that she mm. has. I don't think so. Right. Because she talks about how she woke up the next morning and hoping he was gone. And he was like, she like slept with him that night. She's saying. I, I barely slept that night. And I woke up the next morning in a panic. I didn't know whether I was afraid that he had left. Or that he might still be there. Me, possibly, yeah. I uh, think, I think, I don't know. I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure she actually did sleep with the naval officer. Yeah, yeah. It does seem a bit like, I mean, women have fantasies all the time, you know. Just seems a bit like, okay, like, 
that's not much of a big issue you you know why is it playing so much on her mind Hmm. you know like is it does she really feel that much guilt because if she did about just she wouldn't dance with the guy at the the party at the start of the movie because she wouldn't that's more of a a a reason for tom to get you know tom cruise's character to get pissed off at her because that's actually open in the open people the witnesses so her sort of confessing about you know just having those thoughts about the naval officer that yeah i think maybe you're right i think there is more to her story yeah she's as you said on twitter she's actually the more interesting character because mm. to me um what she represents is someone that was born into the cult like she was already born into it and that's why she's into the art and she's like raising her daughter to be a part of it yeah let's daughter. talk about her daughter like the scenes that we see with her it's all very like um you know focused on appearance like does that you know doing her hair like you know very sort of i guess um teaching her how to wrap presents like everything is and then even when they're doing her homework it's all about maths and how much people are earning and how much money they have it's never like um it's not really anything to do with progressing her as an individual it's you know to have her own like conscious thoughts and to think for herself it's all about this like almost like a robotic type of thing you know, yeah. the actions of brushing your hair and how she's you know this, and that at the end it's very disturbing I don't know if, like your reading of that ending where she's that Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's characters are so caught up in their own thing they don't really notice her daughter is their daughter is sort of like there's that those two older gentlemen who are hanging around in a cho- like the toys section of a department store you know Mm -hmm. and then like Helena is sort of like with them and then the camera cuts away (sighs) like what's going on there that is like similar to the Chinese guys in the costume shop Mm, yeah would you like to say hello to Dr. Hartford hello Hello. Thank you, Mr. Millich. I'll call you soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye, gentlemen. Yeah, that is very strange. Yeah. And, like, one of the interesting things is uh, if you listen to, I think it's the daughter the underage girl that's being prostituted out by the costume shop owner, hmm. she whispers to Cruz, and if you listen really closely, she tells him, you're going to need a cloak. So she knows about the parties. Right. And that's a huge missed point in the films, is the, the underage girl knows about the costume parties so they all it's all a part of a pathway for tom cruise to end up at the parties but and then 
yeah does she seem drugged to you mm, like, i don't know because, yeah because like the only time that we sort of like she's all very smiley and happy like she looks spaced out to me and like the only time that she actually speaks out loud that we can hear her properly is she says like hello and it's like in a really strange like hello you yeah. know like it, there's definitely something going on there yeah uh, interesting i wanted to ask you about this so like uh one of the things that came out about this was kubrick kept all the actors isolated from each other even tom and nicole kidman yeah during their marriage and yeah, he had not her, gonna help anything is it really <laughs> no and he had her film the scene with the naval officer and there's a lot of rumors that it was way more graphic yeah, than what was like actually a shown. whole week of uh it's yeah six days of naked sex scenes with a male model and then apparently he asked them to pose in over 50 erotic positions yeah is, and know. then tom wasn't allowed to see any of this during the filming but he was made aware of it so it was, yeah. i think that kubrick was like a part of the film and a part of the genius of the film is that he was trying to wear the actors out psychologically and he did it and you can like see it in the film they're like worn out and on edge with each other and it looks yeah. real it doesn't look like unreal like when tom and nicole kidman are fighting it really seems like they're really mad at each other and like they're actually a married couple in real life so it's like ooh, yeah. and then they end up getting divorced later and all this so it's kind of like Kubrick almost maybe like knew them so well that he knew like he that knew there what, was these issues. Yeah, like what could trigger them. Yeah. Um I mean I I think it will really does work well that they are like a married couple because you do get that like authentic like that scene where they're arguing after like you know, smoking pot and everything and like um you People have like criticized Nicole Kidman's performance in that movie, like saying it's over the top and everything. But like when you're in an argument with somebody and you really do want to like hurt them and you're like angry with them, you do get that like animation of things and like it does get over like, you know, you do become sort of like, you know, acting, you know going crazy and manic and I can like see that in her like the I feel like <laughs> they must have shot that scene so many times I wonder like what else was said do you know like where they had to was were they allowed to improvise you know did they could they or did they have to stick to the actual dialogue but I yeah. mean Kubrick was like the a director that would take numerous and like dozens and dozens and dozens of takes in order to get the best reaction out of, out of his actors and I think obviously like I don't know whether that's a healthy way to do it and whether that's the, the best way to push push actors to get that performance I just think like obviously with uh, The Shining and Shelley Duvall like he like brought her to the point of having a nervous breakdown and mm. that obviously you know isn't 
isn't really right to do that you know i you couldn't do that now nowadays without getting like heavily sued but she does give such a great performance in the shining and i think nicole kidman does a, delivers such a great performance here i mean my curiosities lay in tom cruise's character like he's just so passive and like I don't know, like, how we're supposed to feel anything for him. He just doesn't seem to have any, like, remorse at all. He just doesn't seem to be, like, sympathetic or anything. I feel like, you know, what, at no po- point does, do I feel like he's trying to, he's, he's thinking about his wife and daughter at home. I don't know. Do you, what do you think? Do you think he, is thinking about them or not no like it's almost like when he got the phone call while he was with the the one girl he was like annoyed and then he was like oh god i guess i have to go home right but i also think that like the point you just made about how nicole kidman was being manic and stuff like that as a guy like that's you know had obviously a bunch of relationships um you see women act like that way and it's super uncomfortable you're Mm. just like could you please just like you're thinking like just calm down and talk like calmly and she's like amber hurting herself around the room you know i mean Mm. it's uh but it fits and it makes you feel uncomfortable especially as a guy you're just like ah like yeah that's interesting i feel my i feel more for her because tom cruise is just such like he doesn't try and comfort her he doesn't try and like you know he's just so he's all he's thinking about is like oh I'm hurt but like she's trying to confess something to him and he's so caught up in his own you know ego that he doesn't take the time to like I mean obviously then we wouldn't have the film if, if he had been like oh you're right actually I have been a dick you know, I probably should have paid you more attention and not been like flirting with random models who had just happened to be at this party. Yeah. The question is, is if Nicole Kidman hadn't had that conversation with him, would he have gone on the path to join the cult at all? Or was she telling him that because she was already in the cult and she was guiding him towards it maybe maybe that that she is in the cult i mean that just make me think like because what does she do during her day like i guess that kid is at school you know like she's not working because her gallery's closed so she you know what is nicole kidman's character doing she doesn't seem really interested in anything Mm. you know like, I don't see her sort of like, I mean, we don't really see much of her, but when we do see her, she's sort of like, if she's not getting dressed or she just seems to be sat watching TV, you know, or smoking or just there's no, there's nothing to her character, like, in terms of motivation. She doesn't seem to have anything any sort of life outside of those four, like few scenes that we see with her. Hmm. 
from Tom Cruise's point of view, I guess. Or yeah. Just a... And then when she wakes up from the dream sequence, mm. she's able to describe the parties exactly. Then there were all these other people around us, hundreds of them everywhere. Everyone was fucking. I was fucking other men. So many. I, I don't know how many I was with. And I knew you could see me in the arms of all these men. Just As if she had been participating in them, which yeah. I think she has been participating in them for a while. Mm, that is interesting. Right. So, how many times have you seen this movie? Did you pick up on anything new this time around? Yeah. So you were you pointed out the points, uh, the lights, right? You saw this mm. this recurring theme of lights. Yeah. I noticed it as well. So let's. <laughs> I don't know if I'm onto anything here, but um, mm. I noticed that there's a string of white what are they called in america we call them fairy lights here mm-hmm. near the christmas lights but do mm-hmm. they have a different name in america do you have call them anything else like like trees you know no it doesn't necessarily matter <laughs> okay but yeah but just a ton of white lights like white a ton, lights an down, uncountable number basically down the wall which is in the in the first party scene you see that sort of like the wall of white lights and then you have like the more rainbow lights as I'm going to call them you know the multicolored lights sort of going up a pillar mm-hmm. you know so you have rainbow white rainbow okay uh, and then that's in the party scene at the very start of the film now that that same sort of pattern rainbow white rainbow appears again and that's in the scene where Tom Cruise goes to the fancy dress store um why that particular why that sort of design of lights it's it's a fancy dress store you would think that maybe they would have some something completely different like the coincidence of having that exact same uh design of lights and that layout of lights you know also it's a bit of an unusual sort of thing to have you know Mm-hmm. in a fancy dress store i know it's christmas but you have so many different christmas decorations that you can choose from so i was thinking that's very interesting he's going from one party he's getting ready to go to another party you know so there's like the sort of the the flow of that continuous imagery coming into you know that's not a that's obviously a decision that's been made by Stanley Kubrick when it comes to set design is to Mm -hmm. have that there so yeah I thought that was like something I hadn't spotted before I just wanted to bring people's attention if people have like an idea as to why that's the case I think oh I have an idea oh I I have an idea Uh, don't shoot my little theory down please (laughs) no I'm not going to (laughs) okay go on then so 
around the time that George Bush Sr., the dad, was giving his famous New World Order speeches that everyone has referenced in the conspiracy movement, he did this speech about a thousand points of light. I've spoken of a thousand points of light of all the community organizations that are spread like stars throughout the nation doing good. We will work hand in hand, encouraging, sometimes leading, sometimes being led, rewarding. We will work on this in the White House, in the cabinet agencies. I will go to the people and the programs that are the brighter points of light, and I'll ask every member of my government to become involved. And he created a charity program that was called the Thousand Points of Light Program. And this was a reference to Lucifer, like from the occult perspective, it's a reference to Lucifer being represented by angels of light. And the Thousand Points of Light program um, was directly tied into Pie Fence. We found it connected to various children's charities, art programs, and other things that were all connected to this network of like child traffickers, basically. So that's, you know, the thousand points of light program is a big part of their thing is the points of light, the thousand points of light. So like you see in all these scenes, just a wall of white lights, which makes no sense unless you knew about these types of uh, esoteric beliefs they have. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I can right. sort of see where you, you could make the connection there. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just think it's very interesting that there's so many things that you could sort of watch with this movie and, and then reach some really interesting sort of like conclusions. I, I just, I wanted to ask you, who do you think is behind the red, red cloak, you know, um, at the manor? the the guy who is actually played by one of Stanley Kubrick's like long time assistants Leon Vitali I think he's called and he's oh, yeah. what he worked with his name actually appears in the newspaper clipping when Tom Cruise finds out about the uh, Mandy the girl who overdosed at um, the party at the beginning has been has died mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting that it says like so I think that I think like Kubrick is obviously having a bit of fun there really by putting his like friend into the picture mm-hmm. um, uh, but is the red cloak actually the head of the cult or is he just merely a puppet a figurehead really he has he's just a spokesperson yeah, so what I think they're trying to represent there is what's known to them as the Pindar which is P-I-N-D-A-R. And basically the idea behind that is whoever is doing the most for the cult gets to be the current leader, but there is no like actual leader. So it's like a snake with a bunch of heads. So like say the Pindar got taken down for something, then someone else would just take over that position. But also the, the reason I think he's wearing red and why all the references to Rome and the Rothschilds and like this is an obvious like remake of the Rothschild ball which if you haven't seen there's images that came out from the 1970s Mm. 
of the mm. Rothschild ball where they all wore masks and did similar things. And like the Rothschild family is directly tied into like the stuff I was talking about earlier through David Brock and James Alphanis, like Linda Rothschild was like at parties with these guys and they're called Rothschild, which means red shield. Right. right. So okay. their whole name comes from the fact that Roman soldiers used to go into battle with red shields and the Rothschilds became the guardians of the Vatican treasury. Right. Mm. And that's why you see like the Pope looking type outfits in the occult, like they do black masses and things like that, where they do religious things that are like the opposite of Christianity, but they still sort of mock Christianity because these guys aren't like the ones depicted in this film are not deistic. They're atheistic. So they just hate Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. They're not like really doing their own rituals. They're just basically bashing Christianity and having sex orgies, which comes from Aleister Crowley's sex magic practices. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so... Mm -hmm. Just no, I'm just thinking there aren't really any good redeemable characters in this movie. No. <laughs> like None. there's nobody who is like just a nice person who's just trying to, you know, make a bit of even like Tom Cruise's like friend that he bumps into, that Nick Nightingale guy. He's clearly like cheating on his wife and kids, you know like he's just left them behind and gone to new york for work you know do you think they killed nick nightingale or do you think he actually got sent back to seattle like the guy said in the big media uh, i think he's dead you think uh, he's dead yeah i think he's dead yeah and do you th like i think the girl who's overdosed at the beginning hmm. um i'm pretty sure she's the one who sacrifices herself for tom cruise I don't think it's her. I think it's the other prostitute that he meets in um, on the street because she's not there when he goes back and supposedly she's uh, HIV positive or something she got. But in her room, there's lots, if you watch it, there's lots of masks on her room, in her room. Mm. So I feel like maybe, and she's studying things like sociology and stuff like this. So she's got books on the, her bookshelf so she's you know um maybe she i or maybe it could even be the girl from the party you know at the very beginning the one that's with the uh, her friend mm. um who tell you know says that he's going they're going to take him to where the rainbow ends like yes. all the women through this picture have the same sort of like color hair yeah you know so could be that i think that's obviously a deliberate choice we're not uh you know decision by kubrick could be diff so many different women yeah did you catch the name of one of the the girls at the beginning the two girls the British yeah one girls? of them is windsor it's a windsor <laughs> that's right yeah so, so reference to royalty right maybe maybe it's just a common name here in the uk is it? I don't know. No, I don't it's not. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think Kubrick was trying to reference that they were royalty, at least one yeah. of them. 
or like British socialites or something. Yeah. yeah, but I think you nailed something there a second ago where you said the girl. Well, okay, so like I think Mandy is the one that sacrifices herself because, well, a if you look at like her physical features, like her right. uh, breasts, they match perfectly <laughs> yeah. with yeah, Mandy okay. at the beginning, yeah. uh -huh. and um, <clears throat> like it's her way out of the cult. There's no way out of this cult. Once you're but, in it, you're in it until you're Yeah, dead. but would she be really in the state after the previous night to be partaking in that? Because she looked pretty out of it, you know? Yeah, be, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. Like, yeah, the, it's a movie too, so who knows? Like, you know, <laughs> you get really good recovery times in movies. And drugs, so. <laughs> yeah that's true so yeah yeah but um so the girl who was like the prostitute that brought him it, she comes up to tom cruise like mm. he's just walking down the street and she like is waiting there for him and comes up to him yeah and like pulls him in she's wearing purple mm. which comes from like tear and tire whatever like the original color purple was associated with royalty right okay yeah because it all had to come from these like very expensive seashells that came out of tire so it was called mm. Tyrion purple and that's why in like game of thrones the guy's name was Tyrion, which mm. was one of the, he was the midget but he was royalty he's the dwarf yeah dwarf whatever okay. small yeah. person oh, <laughs> i don't mean to be insensitive it's just you know okay you know it's describing the person he was a tiny um, tiny person yeah a tiny person um but anyways like so like they're referencing Tyrion with her and she's got the masks yeah. in her apartment like you said so she's just another stepping stone on the path to the occult maybe right? maybe she's just like the backup girl they call you know when like the other girl's not available they just have her on speed dial she just like it's the substitute girl she's not the best girl but she's still there if they need her. Yeah. Or maybe <laughs> she's there to get blackmail on people. Maybe. Because in the beginning of the movie, they like test both Nicole Kidman mm. and Tom Cruise with blackmailable material. Mm. So like Tom Cruise is brought up to the room with the guy and he's like overdosed the girls. So and now mm. like they have blackmail on Cruise. And then the Anton LaVey character is trying to get Nicole Kidman to go up and do like stuff that they could use against her as blackmail. Yeah. And I think actually good for, good for her character because she doesn't do it. So she's a lot stronger in lots of ways than Tom Cruise's character, I think. Yeah, but she is like basically like, you know on the verge of doing it and then she's she's only like just not here like she doesn't say no to him she's just like not now uh yeah that's true maybe i, I just so. want to try and give alice a bit more sort of like you know sympathy i feel yeah. i feel a lot more for her maybe it's just like tom cruise's character is such a dick in this movie <laughs> oh no he's not a redeemable character <laughs> he's so annoying all bad, well. like, yeah. it's just like um it's just like not he just thinks like the way he is with like the um taxi driver it's just like rips the bill in half and like 
oh, you'll get the other half. But like, he's such a dickhead. Like, yeah, geez. he does that. <laughs> and um, he's just like, doesn't even think about like calling the cops about like the whole thing with the um, well, with Nick, his supposed the friend. He gets that information. Doesn't do anything about it. No. Doesn't do anything about the girl um, who is clearly underage in the fancy dress shop. And he's supposed to be a father. So, and like, doesn't really interact with his kids at all. Like, I think. Um, so. No, he's know. a horrible, horrible character in the film. Like, there's no redeemable qualities to Tom Cruise. And I think this movie, like, killed his career a little bit. Oh, oh, come off it. He's having a great time. Have you not heard of Top Gun Maverick? He's oh, doing perfectly fine. He's doing yeah, all, but, right. all right. He went from making like serious films. Right. To okay. Just retreating back into action films. Yeah. Mission Impossible. And, and he's yeah. not made any serious films since. No, I feel like this took something out of him. Yeah. Yeah. And it also was like, the whole scene where all right so like we talked about this off air but like remember uh we were talking about the scene where the guys like shove tom cruise up against the car and call him a fag which is yeah. an f slur so don't say it on the uh yeah. thing no but... no no they're, they're very homophobic towards him for no reason really so like originally his character was supposed to be uh bluish um mm -hmm. But uh, they took that out of the film, even though Stanley Kubrick is bluish. And mm. like Tom Cruise's character is supposed to be persecuted for that, according right. to the original novel that this movie's based on. Yeah, Dream but Story. Yeah. Kubrick took that out of the film. And then the guy who wrote the book, The Dream Story, has gone on like a crusade against Stanley Kubrick since this movie has been released about how. Kubrick is like not a good Jew and all this stuff like he's really upset with Kubrick and the changes that Kubrick made from the book to the movie uh really yeah well the novel was written in 1926 so or I don't there's maybe I got it wrong there's someone that worked with Kubrick on the film that's going around and he's like very upset with the interpretation that Kubrick made from the book yeah it was Stephen King was very pissed off about The Shining, but maybe then people also had the same reaction to, because he, this is what's interesting about Kubrick as a filmmaker. He, I don't think he really wrote any original scripts. Everything was based on a novel. So Clockwork Orange was based on a novel. 2001 was sort of based on a novel. Barry Lyndon, The Shining, Full Metal Jacket. And um even um you know uh eyes wide shutters it's mm. like um he kind of takes the concepts of these novels and these ideas and he sees their potential and makes them better in a way yeah. like improves on them i love the shining as a book i think it's a really great novel but it's not the shining that is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. They're two different things. I think that's what he does here. He like uses the core um like narrative of the, 
the book dream story in order to create something that is expanding on the world of the you know the story so and yeah i i think it's interesting really like how the the rumors of tom cruise being you know um in the closet obviously it wasn't didn't south park famously do something if that was way later yeah but it's, yeah. it's always been something that's like kind of dogged his career has been with him since the very beginning of his career and i can't understand where these rumors have necessarily come from i don't, I don't know, know either, yeah. no i mean there was that scene in the original top gun <laughs> Right, they're playing volleyball, but why is it only why is it only Tom Cruise that's been affected by these and not these rumors and not the rest of the crew? Because they all part uh, cast really. They all were in that scene. Um, but it is really interesting, and I think like that's obviously, you know, also kind of maybe sends Tom Cruise's character down the path is that he has to prove his masculinity and is, you know, his status as a man, as, mm. you know. Did you also uh, notice that the uh, Eyes Wide Shut party was uh, LGBT friendly? It was, which is great. Was... Uh, representing, it's a, I guess then we could, it's Pride Month, so I guess the movie is, you know, something yeah. that could be, yeah. Because there was like in the scene where he's being brought down after they're like, oh, your driver needs to talk to you, right? And they're walking him down mm. through the party. There's a whole ballroom where everyone in the ballroom is uh, like women dancing with women and men dancing with men. Yeah, everybody's having a bit of fun. Yeah. You know? So. I feel, <laughs> look, it was, a, it, was a, it was the 90s. People just didn't have like... <sighs> access to the internet it wasn't you know it wasn't great the broadband wasn't really particularly good you know so <laughs> i'm just trying to picture what it would be like if this movie came out today you know set in like 2022 yeah, yeah. so what do you think i mean if you had to speculate hmm. what do you think um Kubrick was trying to tell everyone with this um I think he's obviously trying to tell us that there are some very dark and sinister groups at play I don't think that's something that's like um shy trying the film's not trying to shy away from that it's not just implying that it is actually showing it happening there is like this cult sort of shadowy group that's at play in New York you know or yeah. the New York of the film because obviously the film was set in London so all of those sets everything you see has been built which is amazing yeah. like it's um people have said like oh it doesn't look realistic but I think it looks fantastic you know it does seem like New York but watching it knowing it was filmed in London it definitely looks like London not yeah, New but York. <laughs> I know, I know, but I still think it's very impressive to do that, to build yeah. it all, you know. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think he was trying to say that there's definitely some sort of secret society 
you know, at play. I think really he was trying to maybe use the film as like a warning to sort of say like about relationships, about like communication, about like what is healthy and what's not healthy, about the about marriage and exploring that. Um, I think he was also trying to like maybe make men aware that women are sexual beings as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's obviously a lot of guilt that Nicole Kidman's character is holding on to. And then, you know, that she hasn't been maybe able to freely express herself. And that's why she might have gone out and done naughty things with sailors or naval officers. And I think maybe the film was sort of saying, was warning about how if um because if we as adults are so caught up in our own dramas and our own secret lies and um it's inevitably it's the children that are going to be hurt at the end of the day because of what happens with helena at the end of the film um and uh, i don't know like i'm hoping that like you know nothing really bad happens to her. I know, I know it's just, she's just a fictional character but it's just like it's such a it leaves me with such an unsettling feeling in my stomach like it doesn't even matter about the the other conversation that Tom Cruise's and Nicole Kidman's character have because that doesn't even matter that's just like an afterthought what is the real ending to that movie is the child being led away at least that's what my mind thinks about when I think about the ending of the movie. So. so yeah. I don't know. It's really hard. I mean, Stanley Kubrick is such a ge- was such a genius as a filmmaker. He's like my favorite, personally, my favorite filmmaker. Like, I think there's just so much of his work which can always be re-explored and revisited um and i i don't know if we really true well and truly know exactly what he was trying to say yeah i don't think we'll ever really know which is why it's such a great film because like it's always left up for various interpretation and i'm sure we'll get comments of people having their own completely <laughs> different interpretation of the film yeah yeah You're which welcome. is great yeah no i really yeah. really love that so i mean yeah. i i just really think it's a interesting movie that i think kind of needs you to watch it every two years or so yeah you know i my personal feeling on it was with kubrick trying to show us especially like in the shining Mm. which i think he's depicting the bilderberg group in that movie and he's are you trying to tell me it's not about fake moon landings I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think he might be connected to that uh, stuff a little bit because he was meeting with like the head of NASA and things. And mm. I don't feel like the moon landing footage is authentic, but I do feel like we've been there. So okay. oh. we'll, get, we'll not get into that. We're, we're going to we'll get into that the, for the shining. shining. <laughs> yeah. But just in the shining, they show the Bilderberg like East Coast elite, right? And in this movie, he's showing you that 
if you and he's showing them in every film like you don't want to join these people like you don't want to end up having to haunt the overlook hotel or you don't want to end up like tom cruise and nicole kidman at the end of eyes wide shut and like to the average movie goer i think kubrick knew that like the average person going to see this film their eyes would still be shut at the end of the film like they would see this film and still not understand any of it Mm. like they'd just like oh there's a bunch of naked people having sex like whatever (laughs) right but to the person that's able to see through the occult and able to understand what he's trying to show you what he's showing you is is like once you're taken into this cult there is no escape other than your own death and it ends up with your own daughter getting trafficked and your own wife getting like sexually like used by all these other men so like it's not something that you want to be in it's something that is really nefarious and it's the power structure on this planet and it's not a good thing that's why the eerie ominous feeling throughout the entire film and it ends with this like very uneasy like dreadful feeling that you have when you leave the movie yeah it's not it's <laughs> in a way do you ever get like you know when you watch certain movies and you instantly want to like go have a hot shower yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like that i kind of get that reaction or oh, i need a really good cup of tea <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm like i just or a hug you know it's like i as much as i appreciate this movie it does leave me in such an uncomfortable way i think I don't know whether it's more so because of like being a female, you know, just this idea of being exploited, you know, um, kind of left me feeling, especially now that we've since obviously the whole Epstein and all these other groups have become like in mainstream, you know, mainstream news uh, has been revealed since like the release of uh, eyes wide shut it is something that is definitely um almost like a warning like you know like Kubrick was trying to say like look you know if you don't if we don't sort of like focus on what's important which is like you know like a family unit you know looking after like parents looking after their children and remembering it. it's not all about money and uh, sex or lust it's about what is you know and I think it's interesting he's I still think it's so interesting he said this movie at Christmas which is supposed to be a time where the family was meant to be together I mean family is in you know whatever you regard as your family you know whether that's like step parents you know stepchildren uh, guardians whatever you know just the family unit of people that you love and are close to you is that you know Christmas is supposed to be the time where we bring people together and Tom Cruise's family has become fractured and it's come to a point where him and Nicole Kidman's characters may have like reunited but they've lost their child in the process yeah so oh I really sorry (laughs) I've just like there's so much to explore with this movie it's just like probably one of my favorite movies to to discuss and I'm so glad I got to discuss it with you because I think like we both pick up on so much 
and it's exciting to sort of like chat to someone and be like did you see this because last time I tried to watch this movie with someone um they said it was boring um (laughs) it's definitely not boring and I have heard a lot of film critics say that though they say like oh it's so long and drawn out and it gives you time to think too much and it's Mm. like don't you think that was intentional yeah yeah it's not films (laughs) are not like supposed to necessarily just be pure escapism yeah you know no yeah no definitely not this movie this movie's definitely <laughs> made to make you think it wants you yeah. to think and like it wants you the other weird thing is like the the lighting is so like mm-hmm. dream spacey almost with like the overwhelming yeah. why do you think he did that as like a, you know you know more about this than me Oh, with the the fairy lights and the whole like, yeah, like dimly the over, lit. And, yeah, like the yeah, like it's, a lot of it's, times the lights almost overpower the actors. You know, mm. they're like so bright in the background. Yeah, I think a lot of the time as well the use of certain colors of lights, like the blue light for Nicole Kidman. She's often bathed in in blue light, and when we see mm. her um, flashback or or you know Tom Cruise fantasy or whatever it is you know thinking of her you know with this the naval officer that's with a blue hue i think that's like yeah it's kind of like a bluish it's not black black and white no it's not it's not exactly black and white it's more of it has a bluish tint to it Hmm. i think there's something there with the the blue supposed to symbolize something i'm not sure what well, in, in masonry, you have the blue lodge and the red lodge. So I don't know if it's some sort of reference to that or not. I don't know. Yeah. So you have, and then you have obviously all the rainbow lights. They're a mixture of colors, but the main focus is that red light. I think red is obviously the red color of temptation, and the red is seen at the party with the red cloak and the there's a lot of red uh, yes. there. So. This is another thing I want to get into, the rainbow symbolism. Mm. Yeah. So what, what do you think the rainbow is symbolizing in this and in the Ninth Gate? It's in both films. Well, in lots of ways, I think it's interesting. Um, now, we have, I don't know, like the whole... Um, over the rainbow sort of thing with Wizard of Oz and that is obviously like a film about dreams and she fell asleep and went was transported to a dream world where it's all magical and she has to go down uh, a yellow brick road to find her way home and I think maybe that's something here like this is Stanley Kubrick's version of the Wizard of Oz you know and Tom Cruise is going over the rainbow and following a road mm-hmm. but um unlike what happens to dorothy in the wizard of oz she realizes what home truly is which is family with her aunt and her uncle and she chooses that rather than stay in the fantasy world of oz um tom cruise doesn't have that realization here maybe he's you could say oh yes he sort of does but i don't think he really truly does he just Mm. so that's what i think the rainbow here is trying to say i think it's a nod to the wizard of oz and that world of 
going entering a world of fantasy and dream mm. but it's not a fantasy it's like in a good way it's like more of a nightmare <laughs> yeah so remember in the end of ninth gate johnny depp's walking into the white light and he's like entering the white light so mm. the rainbow represents the light spectrum right it's it represents all the colors of visible light so to me what they're trying to show you is is the path of like once again lucifer representing by the rainbow which has been taken directly from god's covenant with man so after the flood God said, I'm going to show you a rainbow and now I'll be representative of the fact I'll never flood the earth again. And the right. occult have taken the symbol of the rainbow and used it in countless things because they're always trying to like reverse the Bible. And that's why it's used in like a lot of different symbolism and like Alice in Wonderland, for example, um, the occult loves that 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 movie book series all that like alistair crowley wrote a lot about it um the like maps the minor attracted people have created what's called alice day which is their celebration of their activities every year and they use alice in wonderland themes for that and yeah can i just uh, i just want to say fuck you people sorry um (laughs) yeah yeah i know they're gross it's disgusting and then interestingly throughout the film and i didn't know this till you told me but i guess kubrick's wife did a lot of the paintings for the film Mm. yeah yeah and a lot of those have alice in wonderland type themes to them Mm. right and then there's the theme throughout the movie like the daughter gets taken at the end there's the young girl in the costume shop like Mm. i think maybe some of the stuff that was deleted by warner brothers which is owned by people all connected to this group that was outed by stuff like the epstein ring um i think maybe they took some of that stuff out like there's rumors they took out satanic pentagrams from the floor and stuff like that but i think maybe it was more about like the the child aspect that they took out to try to hide maybe maybe i think as well like um what I some someone said or I read somewhere it was because it was too sex, sexual, sex, sexual and explicit. But I feel like knowing Kubrick as a filmmaker and what he had done before, especially with like the likes of Clockwork Orange um, and other films, you know, I don't feel like that would have stopped him from putting that into the movie. Like he wasn't he wasn't a filmmaker that was about making money because he even pulled um a clockwork orange from you know that movie was quite a big hit but he he pulled it out of um distribution in united kingdom because of death threats that he received Hmm. so he pulled it from cinemas so i and then he had like he never really had like commercial success really in the terms that we think of a big um blockbuster you know like even the shining i don't think was like a huge hit in the terms of like what we consider like you know a billion dollar movie now you yeah know? 
So I feel like that's just a very weak excuse. I don't think that's necessarily the reason why. And if that's, I mean, now that we've moved on with, like, how we are as a society, like, you know, we're very much more, like, there's far more sexually explicit movies that are being made now that are in, you know, in cinemas, uh, and especially what you can get on the internet nowadays, why hasn't there been like those scenes added and then a special edition being released? Do you know what I mean? If that's a real reason, because that's one way to get the movie more, you know, if I was Warner Brothers and that was the case, I'd get those out and then you're making more money because people yeah. are going to buy the, the, the special director's cut. So what's going on there? Like that doesn't seem like a really uh, legitimate reason. So maybe you are onto something. Maybe there is something a bit more damning in that. In, in the deleted, deleted stuff, yeah. yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, it's just it's a theory floating around the internet. So I'm not mm. sure. Who knows? We just add to that. Yeah, we're just <laughs> fueling the fire, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways i think that pretty much wraps up mm. i mean it does, we could go on for hours yeah probably. it doesn't we feel like i don't <laughs> so. feel like we've accomplished anything really i i feel there's so much i want to like Just you know we get could into do, yeah 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 so. but maybe we'll come back to this again if people really like this <clears throat> breakdown mm. of eyes wide shut maybe we'll do a second episode or something yeah maybe but, uh, yeah yeah <clears throat> i think you know we're about at the hour mark now so i think we should probably yeah wrap this up i do want people's feedback we had a really great comment on the last one that we did yes and... which was really great i am i really am grateful for people leaving like you know links and stuff and uh, asking us to check out these things i find it really great i like to sort of go and read some some stuff i don't always necessarily agree um but i am interested in people's takes and what they they feel is you know what their theory favorite theory is on on certain movies so yeah, yeah please do yeah absolutely so thank you very much bianca for taking the time to review this movie no, with thank me you. and thank, thank you to the audience for taking the time to listen so yeah thank you so much and um we'll let us know what you would like us to to break down next you know yeah and then remember to like and subscribe please there you go <laughs> sounds better if you say <laughs> yeah all right well take care everybody have a nice Bye. day